The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. What is a rich history that we join with as we confess our faith together? Well, we are going to continue in uh, Genesis 3 this afternoon. So if you would open your copy of God's Word, I'm going to begin in Genesis 3, 7 and read. After 12. And the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed big leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree in which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Let's pray. Father, we come this afternoon uh, eager for your word to be ministered to us. We we do, Lord, recognize a familiarity as we hear of this covering and hiding, uh, accusing one another. Just these wicked responses where there was first uh, love for one another, yet as sin entered a brokenness. Lord, we're thankful that you did not leave us in that condition as rebels, broken, rejected, but through Christ have received the same. We praise you for that. We delight to learn more about you and your mercy to us. May that be the case this afternoon. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beginning with verse 7, and they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths. Our outline for this afternoon are leaves and robes. And the majority of the time we will spend talking about the leaves. Now the response, when we see sin entering in, was one of covering. Adam and Eve realized that they were naked and had an intense desire to cover. Covering is a natural response to shame. We don't want to be exposed. We feel unpresentable. We need to cover our nakedness in an attempt to keep you from seeing me. You must approve of me. But I know I am not righteous. I... There are things about me that would cause you to question, to, to draw back, to judge. And so I, through the works of my own hands, seek to make myself presentable before you. So Adam and Eve began producing work of their own hands to cover themselves. They grabbed what they could find and began covering. It's important to see who the audience was at this point. And I mentioned this this morning, that God wasn't even in the picture yet when they began to cover there was a motivation for them to cover out of a sense of shame. They felt they could be judged, criticized, disapproved of, rejected. And all these are now possible human interactions. 
once where the only human action was one, interaction with one of love, there's a myriad of responses that could potentially be part of a human interaction. They thought, what can we do about what we have done? How can we regain a place of honor when we are feeling so much dishonor? I have to regain approval. What if you reject me? What if you judge me? What if you don't love me? What if I'm found wanting and can't measure up to your expectations? This simple act became the banner over all humanity. Unrighteousness and shame are naked shame. This is the final summation of all humanity at this time. They were, they were uh, naked and they realized it and they covered this has now become the seed of almost all sin. Almost every sin conceivable to man has sprung out of this particular seed. I fear being naked, outcast, and unclean. I have a deceitful passion in me to alleviate feelings of inadequacy, of righteousness, not being approved of, being left out, being abandoned, being tainted, dirty. My passions are no longer pure. And the largest defilement within my passions is this one to cover. This one motivated by shame. I want, I need, I demand to be approved of, accepted, respected, included, pure, clean, and loved. I see my own failure. I see you looking at me. And so I cover and hide. And that's exactly what we see happening. In verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. We first see them hiding from each other, but knowing that this is inadequate, especially in the presence of God, we see them now hiding from God. And this, I've actually used this passage over the years as one of my the, the most ironic and funny passages in the entire scripture that Adam would be hiding from God, and God would actually come into the presence and ask this question, Adam, where are you? <laughs> and it just shows the, how ludicrous the scene is. And I think God actually reiterates that by asking this very foolish question, a very a ridiculous question, like, where are you, Adam? I, like, I don't know where you are. But we, see, do, we do see them hiding, and this is a new response. They realize their covering is not sufficient. They realize they're still vulnerable. They're naked. Uh, what they were trying to do between each other is now uh, realize that it's it's inadequate, and they hide from each other. It's interesting as they come, when asked why they were hiding, they pointed to their nakedness. Even though they had partially covered themselves with fig leaves, they still realized their primary condition was one of nakedness, especially before the eyes of God. And so they... Uh, they respond in verses 9 and 10. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. This is the, one of the most tragic events in the entire history of creation. That once, this beautiful relationship, this perfect, pure, peaceful relationship with God interacting with his creation is now fundamentally broken. And man is hiding from God. What was created perfect, peaceful, and pure is now broken. And uh, the delight of man was rejected for a fruit which brought deception, darkness, and death. The ones who know of the garden 
best, Adam and Eve, and the blessings of it were now living out the consequences of rejecting it. It's interesting that hiding in this passage is more than just hiding from God, although that was their first response. Adam also attempted to hide his sin by exposing Eve. This completed the wicked response in verses 12 and 13 that Adam realized he was exposed and he one last ditch effort to cover himself by exposing his wife. When the attention turned to Eve, she as well blame shifted and sought to expose Satan, none of them taking responsibility for their actions or the consequences of those actions. And now we have the fissure of unrighteousness from which springs the entirety of human sin and it all began with shame. It is a legitimate question to ask with every sin that we struggle with, how is it connected to shame? I don't think we have a good vantage of our own sin, the struggle of sin, the motivation for sin, and uh, why, what it is profiting us unless we are asking the fundamental question. How is this sin connected to shame? Yet it is a question that we rarely ask. While sin has taken on a myriad of expressions, shame is a piece of all of it. I don't want you to see me, so I cover. I don't want God to see me, so I hide or escape. And I don't want to, or I want to expose you, so I often act in a murderous way towards you. So we don't cover ourselves with fig leaves anymore. We are far more sophisticated than that. In fact, we've all done a fairly good job of covering ourselves today. In what ways, then, we have to ask this afternoon, do we cover ourselves? Covering from one another. How is it that we cover from one another? I want you to see me as righteous, and I want to hide my unrighteousness. So I will perform works in my hands to present myself back into graces to cover my shame. And what does that look like? And again, I have brainstormed. I have a a list of ideas. And I'm hoping, as I had one conversation after this morning, you don't resonate with a lot of it, but there's one you do resonate with. This one here I think I need to consider more. The first way that we cover is through what I would call righteousness. Uh, I, and this is actually the overarching concept of all of this, I don't want you to see my sin, so I am going to do everything I can to cover it. As part of that process, I'm going to try to convince you of my righteousness. I'm going to blame shift. I'm going to alter the gaze and attention away from me. I am not going to confess my sin. I'm not going to admit my fault. And if you come to me, I'm going to see it as criticism condemnation, and I will probably rise up in defense of myself and anger towards you. I need you to validate my righteousness. And so my fundamental interaction with you is going to be one that needs and requires you to affirm my righteousness. It makes it very difficult to live in a community, a Christian community, where we're actually going to deal with our sin if we are working so hard to cover it and to hide it from one another. This has been helpful uh, to think about as we think about the covenant of works, why we're hiding, why I'm working so hard to present myself before God and others as righteous, 
But this is the primary motivation. If you are a person who struggles to confess your sin, shame is at the heart of it. You do not want to be exposed as unrighteous. You're not trusting in the righteousness of Christ. You're trusting in the, the, the outward leaf structure that you've created of righteousness. And when someone comes next to you to discuss your sin or possible failure, you feel like they're ripping your fig leaves off. And you are going to aggressively, probably, defend yourself. And so righteousness is the overarching response. <clears throat> Other ways that we would uh, possibly cover ourselves. Reputation. I will work hard to have a good reputation, even if it's built on half-truths. Uh, will you love me and approve of me and appreciate me and accept me? And I'm going to work hard and implement things so that I have a good reputation. I will be a people pleaser. right? It matters to me more what you think of me than it does uh, for me to have a, be a person of integrity. And so you will see my good and I will hide my bad. And I will work very hard to establish a certain reputation. Uh, all of the while hiding my unrighteousness. And I do it particularly for that. My reputation is what I hold on to and cling to. And I am very upset if someone does something to alter or shake my reputation because I'm using it to cover myself. A, kind of a counterpart to that would be respect. I will work hard to earn your respect. And I need you then to respect me. And if you don't, I will appeal to how hard I've worked to earn your respect. I need you to think good of me. I need to see my goodness, my value, my honor, my efficiency, my production. I need you to respect me. Uh, I need you to you see this worked out in family situations, in job places where I am the one in charge here. I've been given the responsibility to oversee this, this family, and so I need you to respect me. Which means at times where I hide my unrighteousness and will not allow criticism or to appear weak because it exposes me. My riches. All these start with R. Uh, reputation, respect, riches. I will surround myself with things that you admire. Uh, I have a prestigious career, a visible wealth, my house, my toys, my uh, vacations, my recreation. I have things that uh, you admire and are valuable, at least to our culture. And so I will use my riches to hide behind. I mentioned recreation, but that could be one of its on its own. I uh, because it is something in our culture that's valued right now. I have the ability to escape, to disconnect from the cares of the world. I travel across the world to very amazing places. I tend to uh, look for ways to amuse myself. And I post those things regularly. The last concert I've been to, the, all these wonderful things and experiences I've had. And some of that can be a covering. We can use those things so that you think well of me. You see my success, my ability uh, to live this lifestyle. And uh, But please don't dig too deep to see me as flawed and, and struggling and not actually as happy as those things may appear. Relationships. I will have the perfect spouse, the perfect kid, the perfect family. Religious activities. I will be visibly righteous church members. I will read my Bible and talk about my reading plan. I will post my religious labors. I will, I'll be present at everything 
not for a heart for the Lord and, and really desiring to grow in love for Him, but because uh, I want to be thought well of in my religious community, or I want to please God and believe that my religious activities contribute to that. My resume, my education, my experiences, my skill, my volunteer work, I will build that up and, and have a resume to, uh, to really boast in, that I have great confidence in, because of it uh, well portrays all the things that I have done. Royalty, I will boast in my lineage. I will boast in my positions and my leadership and the things that I've done, those that I lead, that what I've accomplished. And we will always we, we tie back to what our families, the name of our family. Uh, that was some of my upbringing. I had a, a name that was familiar in Cody as part of the old Cody. And so when they heard my name, I could kind of connect to this lineage and all the land that it represented and things. Uh, again, we can hide behind those things. Those are all things that we would do between each other. There's a sense, though, that I'm still seeking after your praise or your approval. Oftentimes, though, people try that for a period of time, or they come from a place where they know they're futile to even begin, and they really give up. They hope you don't see them. Or because you see them, they tend to to, uh, to look for a relief. Uh, medication, substances. I want relief from this, from the exams of your eyes, or the, the, the way I'm being evaluated. And I, I can't put fig leaves on anymore, so I'm going to hide or escape. We'll see more of this when we talk about unclean shame, but this relief. I think lots of things. We can, we can, uh, this also connects with a release. Uh, release, I feel, feel the pain of this life, the difficulty, and I want to uh, release from it. But these things can be strange things to us. Uh, we could put pornography in this. I feel the, the pressure of these real relationships, but I want this relief, this feeling I get when I'm connected to these these visual images. Same way as if I had I was using a, a drug or something to produce that same stimulus. <coughs> I feel the pressure of performing and, and interacting, and the fear of being rejected by you takes me into a place where I won't be rejected. A cutting, even adrenaline junkie stuff. I think people can kind of plug into these places where they feel this overwhelming sense of achievement and accomplishment, and yet it's somewhat artificial and covers up some of their loneliness and difficulty they're having in the rest of their life. And they don't want people to see that. They want to be known for their feats more than the struggles that they have. We find people in affluent positions oftentimes. Using these things, uh, movie stars who have tried to impress you, that was empty. Tried to find relief, that was empty, and eventually ended up in suicide. The ultimate relief or release from these difficulties. We also see, as Adam did with Eve, the blame shift. And I, this has been very helpful for me as I deal with people in my office a husband and wife who are in conflict. This is typically the way conflict happens, when it's pretty heavy conflict. Both people enter into a conversation. Again, shame is such a, a big part of this. 
they want to be righteous. They want to be the right party. They want to be the one that has the right answer, that has the right solution. So they're very, very interested in covering themselves and presenting themselves as righteous. It was a good part of this discussion, right? I have the right answer. You've offended me. And so they're covering themselves. And they're trying to communicate, no, that's not what I said. That's not what I meant. Uh, you know, you misunderstood me. I'm more righteous than that. I'm more righteous than that. I'm way more righteous than that. What they're really saying. The entire time, though, they're reaching over and trying to pull fig leaves off their spouse. You're unrighteous. You're unrighteous. You're unrighteous. Look what you did. Look what you said. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. And they're taking those fig leaves and they're sticking them on me. And this image this is, is been helpful for me to see these conversations. Like, what is motivating this at this moment for this husband to be so defensive? Oh, he's covering himself, right? He is every every fiber of his body wants to cover himself and be righteous. He cannot be weak. He cannot be the sinner. He cannot uh, have contributed to this. So he's covering himself. And part of that is just what Adam did with Eve. It's her fault. And in doing that, you're ripping fig leaves off of her. All her self-protection is is coming off, and we're exposing her. What is mercy? Mercy is, I'm going to withhold my anger. I'm going to expose myself in an attempt to cover you. Mercy is just the opposite of that. My interest is to cover you. Now, not in an abusive sense where sin is just rampant and things are uh, way more outside the context than the normal marital difficulty. But mercy is, I'm going to expose myself. I'm going to admit everything I can possibly admit. I'm going to withhold my wrath. And I'm going to work to cover you. I'm going to put you in the best possible light. I'm going to come to your rescue. That's mercy. Unfortunately, shame winds us up and causes us to cover and expose, cover and expose. And if you listen to the conversations you have with your spouse at your home, you'll probably see this. You'll say, what created this thing? Why did this thing get so ugly so fast? And you realize, hmm, wow, I was aggressively trying to cover myself and expose my spouse at the same moment. And you both are doing it, and it just it just creates a spiral. And uh, so, but this is at the heart of it. This feeling of unrighteousness, I cannot be exposed as weak. I cannot be exposed as the one who possibly was the, was the one who has sinned here. My sin couldn't have contributed to this. I need you to agree to that and see my righteousness. Okay. We are designed in the garden to perform according to God's perfect will. According to the covenant of works. Do this and live. God's perfect will, right? Adam failed, but the instinct remains at work in us. Now that our human context is one of shame, the instinct to cover and to close the gap between what we know we should be and what we know is good and pleasing to God and who we really are is a tremendous motive for us. We are sense to make up for our shortcomings, to close the gap between our, our failings and what the righteous standard is, to cover ourselves is one of the driving impulses of our lives. Our continual failure to do this just adds more condemnation and guilt and inflames our shame, which causes us often to work harder, to double down on our effort, <coughs> to get our act together, which causes eventually more condemnation and guilt greater shame. We are driven to cover, and we grope throughout creation looking for leaves to help us. But nothing ever satisfies, leaving us realizing that all is vanity.
The last one is the robe. We talked about this this morning from Genesis 3, 21. God demonstrated his mercy and love to Adam and Eve. And he points to a greater act of mercy that proves that, that provides a perfect covering. The concept of covering a robe is an important one throughout Scripture. Uh, we will find terms like house, tent, coat, garment, uh, remnant. Those are all pointing to a, a covering. And usually when those concepts are used, it's talking about this that God has done on our behalf. That he has covered us with a robe. He's given us an earthly tent, but a tent that looks for a, a final covering. Or a coat. Uh, or a garment. And we see this throughout. In Isaiah 61, that we read this morning, uh, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a, like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewel. Here we see this garment of salvation, this covering with a robe of righteousness. And then we see later that this is what Christ is. This is what I have done for you. I have purchased you this robe, and I, it is yours. I'm covering you with this righteous robe. Some other passages that draw our attention to this. And one, one passage that I, I have many, many people that I meet with read is Ezekiel 16. Probably one of my favorite gospel passages in the Old Testament. But it is a picture of a Israel and God's relationship to Israel. And it starts out with a baby being discarded. Just born, unclean. Born without the umbilical cord being cut. And discarded into a field. And it says, no, I pitied it. Like it was absolutely important from birth, and it was discarded immediately. And then, shortly after that, we see the king is walking by. He says, oh, there's a child. I will bring this child into my home. I will care for this child. This child grows and becomes beautiful and actually becomes a beautiful woman. And the king says, this beautiful woman I'm going to marry. And then we see this king lavishing this beautiful woman with all the treasures of the kingdom. And talked a lot about this covenant relationship where he's covered with his robe and then all the jewels and the royalty, uh, royal things that adorn this bride. And it is such a beautiful picture. And it all points to this covenant lo love. And it points us to our situation. That that was us. We were in the field. We were rescued. We were brought in. We were covered with this royal garment by the king. You should read it because the Next verse is one of the most shocking verses in the entire Bible. And it describes us. I mean, we, we have to see this is my response to this that has been given to me. I don't value it. I, 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 I use it for my own pleasures. But at the end of Ezekiel 16, we see this covenant relationship, how important it is. Because the king says, listen, I will purchase you back. Even after... All of your things you've been involved with, I'm going to still purchase you back. It's a beautiful gospel passage. But it does talk about this covering. Zechariah 3, 1 through 5. That's not a familiar passage to you. Pastor Brian preached through Zechariah uh, in his former church. And this particular message is wonderful. It had a beautiful gospel presentation. Uh, there's, I think it's Joshua standing there covered in excrement. The vilest, filthiest garment covered and the Lord's there and Satan's there Satan's accusing look at he he's filthy he's dirty he's nasty and the Lord and really he's wanting 
the Lord to cast him out because of his filthiness. But the Lord says, oh, I'll clean him. I'll give him a new garment. I'll, I'll take care of this for him. This is just a beautiful picture of the Lord's mercy at that place. But again, a covering, uh, depicting this love, this covenant love that we have from God. Again, uh, we see this throughout Scripture. We see this all the way into uh, the prodigal son. The father runs out, right? And what does he do? He takes his robe and he covers his son with it. Uh, all the way into Revelation where we see these pure white garments covered, uh, and the sign of purity, the sign of uh, this relationship. And so the covering, this righteous covering, is a beautiful depiction of the gospel all the way through Scripture. <coughs> and indeed, God does cover his bride with garments of royalty. And we have to remember how we receive this. That Christ was born under the law. He was born as the king. He was born as the, with all the righteousness, all, all the perfection of that. But he was born under the law. He was born into this place where he actively obeyed to provide a righteousness that would eventually be ours. He was uncovered. He was exposed. He paid the penalty. He um, absorbed the wrath that was reserved for us. He was purchased. I mean, he purchased us uh, by his blood. We have been cleansed. We have been purified. We are now seen and related to the righteousness purchased by the Son. It was his garment that he took off, that he gave us. That we stand before the God of the universe with the robe of Christ's righteousness. And in that are a dearly loved part of the family, fully accepted, fully approved of. We have nothing to hide. Our sin can actually be exposed. You can, We should be able to go to each other and say, look, this seems to be something you're struggling with. And we should respond, you know what, you're right. I, I can expose myself. I don't need to cover myself. I don't need to take lip leaves and present myself as something I'm not. I'm not. It defiles the gospel when we do that. We're saying, oh, for me, the gospel is not that necessary. Maybe for you. But for me, no, I have righteousness of my own. I have parts of me that were indeed clean, that are covered. But it's that's not true. We have nothing, we have nothing in this world that will ever provide a fitting covering. But in Christ, we have a perfect covering, a final covering, a covering that will last and endure for all of eternity. As we put our faith in Christ, we can start to find rest. I don't need you to approve of me because God fully approves of me in Christ. I don't need you to accept me. I can even be rejected by you. Why? Because I have been fully accepted and approved of by Christ. I don't need my husband, my wife, my children my church, my workplace to approve and validate me and praise me. I have all of that perfectly before God in Christ. And the more we dwell on that, the more that becomes our identity. Oh, the freer we are to just love people. To just give ourselves. Really, we go back to the orientation in the garden where I'm free, fully free to just love you. I don't need anything from you. And you don't even have to receive it well. That's the litmus test. 
I often talk about love, and I draw a diagram between two people. And I say, oh, so you are telling me you love your spouse, and you have done this for your spouse, and it's not received well. They didn't appreciate it. And that comes back to you, and you're upset about it. And I said, see, it really wasn't love for them at all. It was love for you. You wanted them to appreciate you because of your efforts, and when they didn't, you got upset. Oh, this is all about you loving you. You're still covering yourself. You still want approval and appreciation and validation. Only as we find rest in the righteousness of Christ can I actually turn to you and just love you and not need anything from you. I can just give. Just like in the garden. Just pure, other, directional love. And that's what we're called to. But we can only find it as we find rest in the righteousness of Christ. Father, help us. Oh, we are so bound to this flesh and the circumstances of this life. We, they still impact us to such a great degree. Help us. Free us as we abide in the love of Christ. Find great strength and rest there. Oh, Lord, open our eyes to these things. Be merciful to us. A needy people, so consumed with our own uh, well-being that we struggle to love anyone at all well. Lord, may you continue to do a work in us, that we would be uh, lovers of you, fully approved of, and able to love one another well. We pray in Jesus' name. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.